0: Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Friday's weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's uh, good to be back with you. Our final show before the Day of Judgment. The Day of Judgment is on the way. Sunday night and Monday, observed internationally by Jews all around the world. Pretty Nobody amazing. tells us anything. Who knew? Yeah, that's true. I, I assume you mean who knew the last time we had the mm. Day of Judgment that the next 12 months would be the way they were, right?
1: Sort of that these holidays sneak up on us uh. now much more than <laughs> you should.
0: Actually, you were you were being a lot less philosophical than I thought you were being. All of a sudden, <laughs> but, you turn around, and you're right. We have another holiday, thank mm, God. And but, uh,
1: but we are being judged, I think, every day, and those who, who don't get the message are uh, you know will come before an ultimate judgment.
0: You know, it's interesting and and you're right of course and that is a, such an important message, but you said to me something off the air before this this conversation began. You you said to me that uh, you had a concern about those who judge the Jewish community. A lot of people are literally offering public judgments of the Jewish community, specifically, we're talking about the New York, New Jersey area, obviously. But I'm sure, internationally, especially seeing what's going on in Israel, people have things to say as well and judgments to, uh, uh, to give. And, and you would prefer if people spoke more in geographic terms or zip code terms, as you told me, than to single out "quote unquote" Jewish communities. And and, and I and I know that not just as a point of fact, uh, in terms of the realities that our communities, you know, like other communities. Are, are suffering from an uptick in numbers. But 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 you also are concerned with what ramifications it could have when public officials and others speak the way they do about our community.
1: Well, I'm more than concerned. I'm, I'm quite outraged about the behavior of some who, who keep emphasizing Orthodox and Hasidic communities, as they say. I heard it this morning on several radio stations reporting the news, talking about the outbreak in uh, communities designated as Orthodox communities. And the, uh, by the way, I've heard it from in British reports and in papers around the world have been singling out uh, this, you know, specific phenomenon. They never singled out another community where there have been outbreaks by their identity, religious identity, racial identity, anything else. And it is only when it comes to the Jewish community and the Orthodox Jewish community, and yet and people are impacted. This feeds anti-Semitism, and, it, and plain and simple. And I think that while it's not the intent on the part of many, that it, it's the lack of caution, it's the fact that they can uh, engage in these kind of blatant um, descriptions and uh, targeting which it wouldn't do in other instances because it is uh, you know it's, it is not a, a practice, it's not something that people are putting out in defiance. The demonstrations by tens of thousands did not get the same response. I, I believe that the responsibility rests with our community. The fact that we have an outbreak and people are flaunting the rules are not abiding by it. I think it's in many places in the breach. It's not uh, the rural, I see people, people walking around with masks. I've, I've seen all the outdoor synagogues uh, services, uh, which I attend to in, in, in a tent, and the efforts that are being made to, to uh, prevent it. Um, the schools came back. Public schools haven't come back yet in the same way. They, you will see the same spike in numbers. There's also... An increased testing that goes on in the community. So, you know, the the numbers probably are not as disproportionate as they they try to present it, but I think uh, elected officials better be careful with their words because the consequences can be
0: severe. And and people of faith in other communities around this country have always turned to you for cooperation when it comes to certain topics, certain uh, uh, you know, certain things that need to be addressed. And and frankly, I think and, and what you just presented regarding the Jewish, you know, the the, the, the Jewish community's uh, concerns is obviously uh, uh, is obviously very concerning. But I think there's a bigger picture here with some episodes that we're seeing around the country, where officials are either condemning or um, or criticizing those of faith in general. When you see arrests of people who are. You know, at outdoor Christian services, when you see and when you hear comments about uh, gatherings that are, you know, faith gatherings that are being either shut down or singled out, we may have more than just a Jewish problem going forward. It could be the entire community of faith in this country is going to be wrongly criticized.
1: Well, they are um, attacked, uh, people of faith of the various faiths. Um, and it doesn 't mean that they 're above criticism it doesn 't mean any group, any individual any faith any sector of society uh, should be, can be subject to criticism and their leadership should be pursued to to uh, and pushed to to take action where they can it's it 's not because there 's no switch that you can turn. Um, I think that the the uh, point you 're making though about religion being under siege is something that others feel as well. Right. But you know, religious leaders have responsibilities too, and and that is to lead their people. And now we have an opportunity, and, and certainly the rabbis I've heard speak about this and urging people to take the precautions and implementing them. Uh, I think represent uh, the vast majority.
0: Yeah, but right. My point being that not only do we have a situation where we we feel that there's a wrong uh, that Jews are being wrongly criticized. I think in general, because we are people of faith, that our you know our right. faith our faith activities are being There's a singled out
1: that is uh, associated with you know
0: a jewish wedding looks like a, a faith gathering frankly <laughs> you know the way we do things it's a religious service as do you know anytime people are, are are davening together anytime people are gathering together for any type of of jewish gathering and it just i think it's a i think it's of great concern as well so um, everybody out there follow the rules and this is something you've been saying from the beginning follow the rules Let's let's encourage everybody, whether we are rabbis or not. Let's encourage everybody in our communities to uh, to be compliant, and let's you know try to stop the irresponsibility. Right, we're the first to admit that there's irresponsibility in our community, in certain in certain places, and and uh, you know certain individuals. But but at the same time, we have to safeguard not to be attacked by public officials and others when it comes to you know, when it comes to news reports, faith gatherings, and everything else that you just described. Uh, Israel is now officially under lockdown for the last fifty-three minutes until Shmini Atzeres, until the holiday ends on uh, on um, Shmini uh I, I do, Have they ever have they ever figured out exactly how things are going to work? How people are going to shop? Who love him and shroghim? How people are going to go to shul on Yom Kippur? What is allowed? What isn't allowed? What's an exception? What's not an exception? Or it's basically the same unclear status that it's been every time they've gone into lockdown.
1: No, there is there are clear rules and and they seem to be defining them as they go along. Uh, I don't know whether they specifically wh- whether the sorghum and love stores will be open first of all, that um, everything it can be delivered in Israel. so people are not being you know kept from from getting food supply and the army steps in and others. They have a, a lot of infrastructure which they apply, and this is costing Israel um, uh, billions of shekels. Uh, both the lockdown and the, you know, trying to to provide alternative sources and, and making sure that everybody is is cared for, uh, but there is no alternative when you're getting into the five six thousand number uh, uh, daily. Then you have to take these these strict measures. The hospitals are at their their maximum now, and hopefully we will see a sharp decrease and they'll be able to lift the um, the sanctions. But the 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 limitations, but I think that it has to be done in a slow and meaningful way. We see that this disease is one that is highly unpredictable, that we see young people. We see people getting it for a second time. We see so many other things that people thought were not, um, that that the virus didn't affect. Uh, In fact, I saw last night a report that the outbreak is amongst um, younger people, but the deaths, of course, are more amongst older people, right. um, and the the uh, you know we don't want to come back to the situation that we have. But I hear a lot of ambulances at night, and believe have to believe that that a good part of that is is uh, COVID related. So I hope people will you know look at the situation in Israel, and it's not because the government is anti orthodox. They made provisions for people to be able to have minyanim, ten people to help people. Uh, getting together within a cl- half a kilometer of their houses. And um, I think that this, you know, it can be made to work. It has to work. People are, are upset that, that there is a lockdown, and, and, you know, they're extending it to impact businesses, and now they're going to maybe make it all businesses. Um, and that is unfortunate, but it's, it's it's necessary better the short-term pain than the long-term loss, uh,
0: more and more people a lot of the concession for davening and Yom Kippur is outdoors and you know and and frankly monday is supposed to be the hottest day of the week in israel we and make... it
1: has been very hot there all along throughout this period these recent uh, days but you're right and uh, outdoor minyanim they they get tents they can make arrangements as we as we have done, as others have done but a, a lot I of think...
0: people are going to stay home which i get i mean a lot of people will just you know make fasting the priority and and have no choice but to stem with Look, it's an unusual and and crazy year. And and do you fear? Do you fear that you know Israel could wake? God forbid. I I get it. God forbid. But you know you could wake up uh, after Shmini Atzeres, and who knows? Will th- Will this be sufficient to get the numbers down? Will this be sufficient? You know who? Who knows? Nobody
1: knows. And and my concern is is the long term impact on on kids on uh... Dominating on our institutions many of which have had to lay off and and diminish their infrastructure greatly will they be able to come back will people get too used to the zoom services will they um, you know some uh... claim that they have more people on because of it but it's i think it's, it's a very questionable assertion uh... and certainly what the long-term uh, ramifications I know I spoke to educators who told me their concerns about kids davening now and other things that that, um, may have suffered in their attention spans and getting used to to coming back to a regular life. I think the kids want it. I think the kids need it. They need the association. They want to be with their friends. Um, But nobody knows what the long-term impact will be of all these, uh, of this radical change in their lives.
0: And then the industries that... You know, now some people are thinking the smartest thing they could have done was to have left their industry the second this started. You know, between the restaurants and travel and cruises and, I mean, obviously Pesach programs and things like that. I mean, mean, if someone asked you if someone would be able to travel to Israel from the United States in the summer of 2021, you have no idea at this point. We just have no clue. We have no idea how long this is going to last. We have no idea how these industries are ever going to rebound
1: it's true uh... in the israeli hotels actually didn't suffer as badly because there was a lot of internal tourism uh... meaning israeli's going to, to places but obviously they can not charge with just a holding action for a lot of the hotels uh... and the uh... but the tourist industry itself suffered uh... greatly you see the pictures of ben-gurion you know it's a ghost town the airport uh, and and nobody knows you know i i saw the reports from the business councils here Saying that they don't expect uh, to reach fifty percent of the businesses till next July, being back in in their offices, and I know many places will not come back. And you have the exodus of people. You have so many factors that you know we don't uh, focus on or People don't. You know we don't want to discourage people. You don't want to have um, people be so down and think that and give up hope. The city is still a great place and will be. We have too much infrastructure. We have too many important communities, uh, and what happens in situations like this is that the people who can least afford it can't leave or can't relocate, uh, and you know, there has to come a point where people make a decision that they're staying, and then it's going to make the city great again. I think we we'll hope we have the leadership that will, will be able to take us there. But right now, if you talk to people in the real estate industry, and many others—it's it's, except for the movers—they're the only ones who seem to be very
0: optimistic. <laughs> it's funny how so many—I shouldn't say so many, but some industries have really benefited from this whole situation. That being one of them, and then of course, once let, let's say, in fact, travel would come back by the summer, uh, who's comfortable? Who, who's comfortable? You know, it's funny. Someone mm-hmm. someone asked me yesterday about Cholamoid events this Sukkis. And I said, you know, if you could put together an event, let's say outdoors, you know, social distancing, et cetera, if you could put together where everyone's convinced that it's a safe environment, I think you'd sell out. Because people are so desperate. <laughs> and by the way, Cholomoed is five days this year. Right. E- even in Chutzla, it's, it's five days, if you count Oshanaraba. Uh you meaning not and and, and, and and I'm saying that people are so – and I'm wondering – Travel comes back. Will people flock because they're so desperate to get it going again? Or will they stay away another couple of years because who's comfortable? Who's comfortable enough to make that transition and to actually go into a plane with others and, you know, and stay in hotels and be in social environments like that? We have zero idea as this day of judgment approaches, Malcolm, (laughs) this is the day. This is the time of year to reaffirm that we have no clue what he has planned for the future. Simple. And
1: that's why the Akhariah falls on us, the responsibility to do what we can, because we don't have, um, you know, the knowledge that we look back, and that we look to, to our past to understand how we dealt with situations like this in the past. Right. You know, as uh, Mosalam. we're going to read it this Shabbos, right? Right. the remembrance and why history is so important, and asking our parents and grandparents, aside from our own direct history, um, but to learn and to listen to the elders and their advice to to those who, who think they know better.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, round the world on the web at com and the MalcolmSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Were you surprised by the... Uh, the level of respect given to Ruth Bader Ginsburg after her passing.
1: No, she's been lionized. There are movies about her, books about her. There are she she achieved a unique status, um, and that's being given expression in the fact that she I think the first woman to be to be um, laying in state at the Capitol, and uh, the president even went there uh, to pay respects to her so it's
0: um yeah it's, it's a phenomenon yeah no question about it and of course the fact that she's from the Jewish community and we hear you know a a being said in her memory etc i mean I, I would have preferred frankly it uh, that you know that the 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 um the the guideline that we have i'm being careful which word i'm using the guideline that we have we have in terms of you know burial sooner rather than later i think that may have been you know more for the Jewish community to take pride in if it would have happened. But, you know, I guess that wouldn't have met American standards in terms of how to pay proper respect and tribute to somebody. No no reaction. (laughs) That was a statement, not a question. I know, but you often react to my statements. I often count on you reacting to my statements, frankly. Uh, You know, the traffic may not be there, but the U.N. General Assembly is actually in session, right?
1: It is, and we've had some Zoom calls, you know, each year during this period. We might have 30, 40 meetings right. with heads of state, foreign ministers, you know, the people representing the countries at the UNGA. Uh, this year, uh, we are still doing some by Zoom, uh, and uh, appreciate that these leaders put, make themselves available for us to have, uh, you know, and we have serious discussions about the issues. Part of the problem is that, that uh, one of the prices we're paying for COVID is that many key issues are... Are being shunted aside, are not being paid attention to when there are good developments or bad developments uh, are not getting the proper attention. You know that this this week they launched the uh, the Mediterranean, Eastern Mediterranean gas forum with uh, Greece and Cyprus and Italy and Egypt and Israel, and now the PA is in and Jordan uh, is in, and I know France wants to join the EU and the US are observers, um, where. So, as you know i 've talked for a long time about our Mediterranean initiative and these here you have it with the cooperation and now linking up to the Gulf, you could create an amazing um, basin from the gulf from from uh, uh, um, the, the emirates all the way to gibraltar wow. uh, and there are many other countries including turkey that that look at it but it will not be allowed in until they become a, a responsible citizen but the this kind of development which would have been you know unheard of before and where they're all sitting together working on how you you deal with the new discoveries of oil and and make sure that they go the right way um the the uh fact that uh, Israel and the UAE and Bahrain are already moving so fast on establishing ties, business connections, on a governmental and, and on individual commercial uh, levels. Um, I think that the people are beginning to understand that this is something different than what we've experienced in the past with pieces, that this is something that involves grassroots support and uh, those who have uh, been there to, you know, say that the, the people, and I've spoken to the people there, and tell me that they get stopped on the streets, and people are very supportive, and more countries are, are looking at it. We know the Sudan, there were negotiations this week um, in the UAE with uh, Sudan, which has asked for $3 billion in aid, and they want to get off the U.S. terrorism list. Right. Uh, we know that Oman, we know that others, Qatar, Kuwait, um, I've all been uh, flirting with it, and we'll see who's next. But in the meantime, what we're seeing is that the attempts by Iran, which we would have said up to two months ago, been successful in encircling Israel. It's now Iran that's encircled, mm-hmm. with the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, the alliances for in Egypt, and now and Israel, of course, <coughs> and Jordan and others that that will stand against. Uh, uh, Iran, and we see the diminution the in, in their uh, status in the region. Uh, it's really remarkable. Unfortunately, the Europeans aren't supporting the U.S. with the additional sanctions, and especially the snapback uh, to to make up for the demise of the and uh, of the um, embargo on arms sales, which expires on the 18th of October. Mm. Um, uh, unfortunately, they're not. Uh, mobilizing, but the U.S. is is going to have additional sanctions, which I think will uh, have impact. And we see the continuation. By the way, another big explosion near Tehran in uh, Islamshan County uh, of a big factory. And
0: what was what's interesting? It? What was in the factory?
1: Um, they Arms? have not discussed neither casualties nor the circumstances. Literally nothing, even though it was visible. And people in Tehran could could uh, see it and hear it, um, and, and a similar thing. You know, in Lebanon, we've had a, a huge explosion at an arms depot that Hezbollah was was uh, yeah but responsible that, There, for. they told
0: us what was inside, right?
1: But they did not talk about the casualties. They did not talk mm-hmm. about any things that they would normally talk about, nor the cause and why. The reason I'm drawing the analogy is that in both instances, Iran and uh, Hezbollah, Lebanon which have experienced a series of these explosions. And, you know, we now learn that Iran probably had enough enriched uranium in March to build a bomb. Now, with the setback of all these places that were blown up, and especially in the Natanz facility, it set them back significantly. Uh, uh, But what's interesting is they don't do it. They don't say and ascribe blame in the way they usually do, because the people will demand retaliation. And they don't want to have to start up with Israel, and now especially Israel in coalition with others so they they keep it uh, amorphous about the responsibility for these uh, explosions even though the people have seen it I mean you can't hide when you have these massive uh, an arms depot goes up and it says, some say that it was weapons and stuff still from the last
0: Lebanese Israel war right back in 2006 you know you just reminded me when we had the uh, the leader of the UAE Jewish community on uh, when he was in Washington so I said to him, and this was such a ridiculous comment on my part, but only afterwards did I re- realize it. I said to him, so I guess the closest Orthodox Jews to you are in Israel. And he says, what are you talking about? they are Orthodox Jews in Iran. And he said, you don't realize how what we're doing here now, meaning UAE, Israel, et cetera, Bahrain, you don't realize how this has the potential to change the lives of those Jews of faith in all of these countries, including Iran eventually. You just reminded me of it when you were talking about the, uh, you know, the pressure that now Iran has because of the UAE-Israel agreement, and hopefully that will just increase, you know, as time goes by. But I don't realize, or I didn't until he opened my eyes, that, and I'm sure you realize this, that, that you know, there are pockets of Jews in all these places whose lives will be enhanced, no doubt, if things continue to progress along this way.
1: You know, there are 50 Jews who've lived in Bahrain, and there's a long... They have a long history, most intermarried, but there's, there's still services. Uh, there's a synagogue, and, um, uh, you know, the. the uh, I think Jared Kushner brought him uh, the uh, Emir, the king of, of Bahrain, a safer Torah, but set the conditions about its use and how it's to be sustained, and it, it's revered, and it's treated with great respect and being used by the community. In Iran... Uh we have a, a more activist rabbi in Tehran. He's been more visible, whether the government wants that you know is pushing that it could be to counter the image uh but the fact is that they have functioning yeshivas and synagogues in in iran uh but there's a long history in the Gulf, going back to muhammad's days in and a mixed record but in the now now all the positive things about Jews in the quran are being told <laughs> everywhere uh except the p a that gave an order last Friday. For them, for, for the mosques in, in the West Bank uh, to, to um, sermonize about the, how horrific this betrayal was with a deal with the Jews, not Israel, not Zionists, wow. the Zionist entity, but the Jews and i think it tells you a lot about the true intent and what what this is about you know they they've missed every train they missed every boat and every airplane that was coming there to give them a way out so it's not <laughs> israel that is holding them back it's their own corrupt leadership
0: unbelievable what a great analysis uh, back to the un for a second the um I see the ambassador, Erdogan, is you know, doing a lot of walking in and out of that General Assembly. Uh, what's Erdogan's problem with Israel this week, and, and why would he make such an issue of it at the General Assembly?
1: It's not this week. It's uh, It's been that way for years, and you know, Mavi Mamara and all the other incidents, and his constant references to Al-Aqsa being under siege, and, and, but talked about the dirty hands, because he wants to get his hands on it. And he is the one paying for a lot of the demonstrations. He's paying for people to buy land in Jerusalem. Wow. He is, he, uh, is and, and I've confronted him about it personally. And he said to me, you know, the bottom line is you can't be the caliph without Jerusalem. He sees himself as the new sultan, and Jerusalem is, is critical, In that, and he wants to become the leader of the. I mean, he's a radical, he's a Muslim brotherhood, the leader of the Sunni equivalent to the Iranian leadership in the Shiite community. Uh, And he is engaging in building mosques all over, and he sends them a message every Friday about what they're allowed to preach. He is, and and I'm talking about all over Europe and in Africa. He is expanding his footprint. He's continuing his aggressive behavior, whether it's in whether it's in Syria, everywhere that Iran is, they are, and more. And he sees this as a complete reversal now, that the when the Arab countries and Muslim countries and the countries Muslim countries of Central Asia have all linked up now with Israel, or many of them, and that this is. it, you know, undermines everything that that his aspirations uh, would be with these Sunni countries. That they disregard him. They see him today as a parallel threat to to Iran. And his economy is in shambles. He's, he's you know um, working against NATO. And the, I hear that they may activate the S400 system they got from Russia, uh, which is in Turkey already. And the you know the, he, he continues these this aggressive behavior, and this fits the pattern. He targets Israel, he has made anti-Israel and anti-Jewish remarks, even though the Jewish community in Turkey is tr- treated well, um, it, but it is diminishing. It's um, it's very much in keeping where where he is ideologically.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, and Gilad Erdan also walked out when the because the I'm trying to get this if I'm right because the Secretary General did not mention the Israel UAE deal. Is that what happened? Is that I what don't it?
1: know that he walked out on that. He was, they were critical of the fact that ah. the uh, Secretary General didn't mention it, and then I am frankly very surprised because wow it doesn't seem consistent with his uh, his, behavior, his you know where he stands and comments and.
0: Things he's told us, and the uh, you mentioned earlier. I was curious about. You know, I always think that the U.S. in order for it to implement real sanctions against Iran needs either EU and or UN permission. Permission may be the wrong word, but you know needs needs their help, so to speak. And then I saw these headlines this week. About the U.S., basically, you know, unilaterally increasing the sanctions. And so now I understand if, if it's it's no coincidence. that, number one, there's a deadline, as you just described, in October. And number two, because the UN is gathering, right? If not for this timing, the sanctions probably would not be a major issue, correct? Right now,
1: no, it would be because it's the timing. It's nothing to do with the GA. It has to do with the expiration of the arms embargo next month, uh, with, uh, coming on October eighteenth so this deadline we've known for a long time and it has nothing to do with the parallel it's not at all involved with the um, calendar of the u.n but the calendar of the deal and now the, the europeans and others saying well america can't engage in the snapback provision which is that if there's a violation by um, Iran that any of the countries could snap back the sanctions that were put in place between 2006 2010 mm-hmm. uh so the United States is now going to unilaterally impose back snapback sanctions and more uh the Europeans have already said that they you know have defied it and even, and condemned it uh, but they have no alternative and they see that Iran is rushing towards uh, a nuclear uh capacity Macron has been leading the uh negative forces in Europe and that they saying they won't compromise with the United States. Uh and you know, he's tried in Lebanon and failed. He's tried elsewhere and failed to play a constructive role and uh, France seems to be wanting to get into the situations, including in the in in the Mediterranean where their their presence was important. But we we, we are seeing that the um uh, we know the violations. All the, Every time a new report comes out from the IAEA, it's about new violations that Iran is enriching above the level that we supposed to, both the intensity amount, they are racing ahead in their missile capacity, all the components of a nuclear weapons program, meaning the weapon, the enriched uranium, and the delivery system. And, you know, the Europeans, again, putting their heads in the sand. Uh, the United Nations has no support they don't like trump i guess and it's one factor but they don't they don't seem to care about their own people because they will suffer the consequences of a nuclear iran we will see it everywhere because we'll have a, an arms race that would spring up immediately the saudis and the chinese are talking about a nuclear nuclear facilities uh, they are already building in in some parts of the gulf uh, nuclear reactors egypt was under contract to do it so the uh, you know the ramifications uh, are very great, but again, it seems Europeans are sticking their heads in the sand, don't want to face the reality, They're not, don't have the backbone to stand up and and do the right thing. And it's, it's the potential, to, so thank God the United States at least uh, is doing so. And you have to think, will, will a country choose to do business with Iran and, the, and lose the opportunity with the United States and access to the dollar system, which is the core of, in trading? I don't think so.
0: Right. You mentioned Sudan before. Um, the impression I was under is that uh, Sudan, because they're worried about what their neighbors might think, they were sort of playing it cool until they saw the reaction in the Gulf and the Middle East and Africa in general to the Israel-UAE deal. Uh, now it, you, you brought up something else that I, that I never considered, and that is that Sudan has to prove themselves to the international community as well, That they, uh, that they that it's not just a matter of them accepting the possibility of normalization with Israel, but the the rest of the world, so to speak, or the Western world would have to be be convinced that they are a legitimate partner for that relationship. Would that be accurate?
1: That would be accurate because, you know, there was a change in government. It was a dictatorship. It was condemned. It is under uh, U.S. sanctions. as a state sponsor of terrorism. If you remember, they were the um, uh, station for Iran, uh, and there was the huge explosion a couple years ago when Israel or somebody hit, um, uh, Iranian weapons. Uh, oh right, right. Uh, target there. Uh, so yes, they have a they have a responsibility. Their economic conditions are devastated. Obviously, it's one of the poorest countries in the world. They're caught in the Egypt, Ethiopian, uh, Sudan fight over the Nile. Uh, they're sort of squeezed in the middle of that. But the um yeah they have a, they have things to prove too but their their concern I think is more their domestic population than the external forces, and whether they can how they can weather the reaction is likely to come from their participation. I think what countries are finding is that there's a lot less you know so many things have changed because of this. the Palestinian veto is gone. all those who talked about israel 's isolation have seen the the walls crumble the p a you know got no money from the Arab world since March, and and for the first seven months of this year, they got thirty six million or thirty eight million, I think, as opposed to two hundred sixty seven million in the same time last year. People are are voting with their pocketbooks, with their participation, with their outreach, and you know that there are this, this deal could bring phenomenal change if we can exploit and and develop the capacities of the different countries with what israel has to offer the in the security areas economic areas energy areas so many agriculture where where they can all benefit uh... one another and that's why i think others will come along we should do it slowly and thoughtfully i don't think it's a question that you can force people into relations but they can all take steps uh... towards that end obviously there are ramifications G- Uh Gans was here this week this is the minister of defense of israel to meet with is american count- counterpart esplor about maintaining israel 's qualitative military edge if the sale of f 35s will go through to uh u a e as it appears they will uh, friedman ambassador Friedman said it will take six seven years, but there are uh planes that were sold to Turkey that are sitting in a desert that could be um, moved to to u a e and that would certainly expedite the uh, the schedule but the you know the um And there are obviously so many other ramifications about what it means that if Israeli planes can take off from Bahrain or the UAE in an event of an attack, God forbid, by by Iran, and the the changes that this and encouragement that it gives to to the elements that are standing up against the forces of extremism, we saw it here. You know, this this remarkable development that, of course, won't get the attention it deserves. That San Francisco State, which is which signed an agreement. After all of their violations and were taken to court by the Lawfare Project and others, um, now they were going to have Lila Khalid, right. who, who carried out two hijackings. She's responsible for the deaths of people, Americans, and they're giving her a platform. And because of the persistence, and it says that what shows you that when people stand up against it, the, the End jewish hatred group uh, coalition that Zoom canceled the broadcast of her her thing and went right. to San Francisco State and said, can you tell us that she's not a member of a terrorist organization or associated with one? And they couldn't. And so Zoom, and then, then when they failed, they went to Facebook, and we're going to do it on Facebook, and Facebook pulled out. So we have to start because the Internet is the purveyor of so much hatred and anti-Semitism and anti-Israel uh,
0: activity. Right. But the, the the real core of your point that has to be emphasized to this audience is that a lot of people have thrown up their hands. They felt that uh, exactly that the big tech and that uh, and that these uh, social media companies really have no uh, sympathy and and not ready to take any action. Uh, but we see when there's pushback and there's a real effort, uh, change can be made. Even in even in 2020 and even in those fora, so uh, it's, it's something encouraging. And we should encourage people to to speak up and to uh, and to post responsible posts and to put pressure on those who need to be per- who need to be pressured, uh, because you do get results. Uh, you heard about this Israel rapid test being used in airports in Europe? Yes. and
1: It's one of, of several that are being developed in Israel, many that are being developed in Israel and other places around the world. But, yes, it's, uh, I'm sure it's going to come here soon,
0: too. And finally, is there any relationship between uh, the, the news item about the settler freeze uh, versus the 5,000 homes that Netanyahu may now approve? and the UAE deal? In other words, if Netanyahu goes ahead and makes a move like this, or anything that has to do with expansion, so to speak, does that officially have any, I don't want to say violation, but does it have any effect on on what was recently agreed to between Israel and the UAE?
1: Everything in the Middle East has an effect on everything else. We we know that, and even if it seems sometimes remote. uh, I don't know the conditions uh, of these were previously approved and pledged. Obviously, Netanyahu is facing internal opposition because of the quote, uh, application of sovereignty being postponed. Uh, I think it was a decision that he, he weighed very carefully and said, look, what is in the long-term interest? He didn't give up on it. They didn't cancel it. And the U.S. officials have said that it was postponed as well. So, the, uh, But there is a need for housing, and there have been uh, permits granted. Uh, Palestinians are building also all over uh, different areas. And um, so I think that will some people try to use that against them? Yes, of course. But I, I don't think that these are going to be the things that they've proven that in Arab world today, they're just sick and tired of the Palestinian issue. And you see even some of the Palestinian leaders saying, you know, we stretched this rubber band too far. And you see that we're not even on the agenda that all these countries can move without even considering they didn't consult with the PA about any of the steps they're taking. The PA was trying to get a condemnation from the and was chairing a session uh, of the Arab League, and they refused. So they walked out of their own meeting. They were chairing the meeting, and they had brought this complaint, and they were told it's not going to go, so they left. And so no resolution came out. They tried the same with the Gulf Cooperation Council. It was rejected. So they have to be looking and seeing the handwriting on the wall.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, I wish you a Gmar Hassimatova. We will have an opportunity to speak Erev Sukkus, which will be one week from today. And the schedule wise, everybody, we will not be on Hoshana Rabba, but we'll continue, please God, with a regular schedule. Erev Shabbos brachus. And Malcolm, a happy, healthy, sweet new year. And a Gmar to you.
1: A Gmar to everybody. And uh, hopefully it will be a much better year. But look, we ended with good news. We, we will begin the year with good news. We will have wonderful things happening. Uh, this year, I think, right and, uh, and God will just uh, give us uh, his blessings if people daven really would come on that and adhere to the rules. Protect your children, protect your parents, grandparents. We've got to take the steps, be proactive
0: in it, and hold our officials to account at the same time. Hundred percent. Thank you so much, and again, a gemarshimatova. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman, conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. He joins us Friday morning, seven forty a.m. Eastern time here at JM And the AM. Again, he will be here bezrat Hashem next week, erev Sukkis, and uh, in um, in uh, three weeks, erev Shabbos bracious. Two weeks from today, Hoshana Rabbah, we will not have our weekly update.